Thank you for calling Gay Wire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. Hello, this is Artemis Peasley. My pronouns are she, her. Uh, this is Gaywire on CJSR 88.5 FM out of so-called Edmonton on Region 4 of the Métis Nation and Treaty 6 territory. I have to do this intro as fast as possible. The interview today is Taylor Lambert, a freelance writer in Calgary who wrote an article about Jason Kenney's involvement with anti-LGBTQ movements in the 80s and 90s in San Francisco, and I spoke to Taylor about that as well as the things that he said two weeks ago about the stigma of unvaccinated people and comparing it to the AIDS crisis. Um... I know this is old news, but I was forced to take a two-week break by the podcast coordinator, Megan Miller. Ugh. But I'm recording this on Family Day, so haha, Megan, I win. And without further ado, here's Taylor Lambert speaking to me about Jason Kenney and what he was up to in the 80s, 90s, and today. Hi, my name is Taylor Lambert. My pronouns are he, him. Thank you so much for coming uh, on such short notice, Taylor. You know, it was so it was such a prompt uh, interview planning. Usually it takes an entire week for something like this to happen. What can I say? I have no life and my schedule is wide open. <laughs> that, that's really relatable. Um, uh, <laughs> so uh, what can you tell our audience about who you are and uh, what your job is? You work at uh, The Sprawl in Calgary, right? Uh, no, I'm uh, actually a freelance journalist uh, based in Calgary. Um, I do a lot of writing for The Sprawl. Uh, I was their uh, provincial politics uh, reporter for a while. Um, and it was for The Sprawl that I uh, went down to San Francisco to report on Jason Kenney's um, time as an undergrad there. Uh, and all the shenanigans that he got up to uh, in advance of the 2019 election. And uh, that got a lot of attention from a lot of people. Mm. And uh, wh- what did Jason Kenney get up to in San Francisco? <laughs> uh, well, so uh, Jason Kenney uh, went down there to study philosophy at a, uh, at a Catholic university, a Jesuit university. Um, people think of 
San Francisco now is like a, a, a fairly liberal city, famously home to a lot of queer communities. Mm -hmm. um, at, at the time, this was in the, he was there in the late 80s, uh, early 90s. Um, he was only there for three years. Uh, he did not graduate. The queer communities in San Francisco has spent a lot of time fighting for the rights of gay couples to have similar rights to um, married heterosexual city employees. And this, so this was obviously well before um, same-sex marriage, um, but what they were fighting for was the city to make a, a decision basically allowing that um, same-sex couples uh, who, who, sorry, let me start again. The, they wanted the city to pass a bylaw basically saying that uh, city employees who are in same-sex partnerships, the, they would have the same rights um, as partners afforded to them that are afforded to heterosexual married couples. Mm. So this this is the this is the background for what Kenny gets up to. So this was a battle that was fought throughout the eighties, and actually was very narrowly. Um, they, they came very close to passing this in 1982, but it was vetoed by the mayor. So that, that brings us to 1989, Kenny, Kenny's down there. Um, there's a, a unanimous vote by what's called the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, uh, basically unanimously voting for domestic partnership legislation. And the Catholic Church and other religious conservatives um, fought back hard against this. They, they basically waged an all out war. They distributed 25,000 leaflets and started a petition uh, collecting 27,000 signatures, which then required a referendum on the question, which was then narrowly defeated. Um, even though polls showed that a majority of residents um, supported the legislation, it was a it was a function of uh, it was an off year uh, off off election year and so the people who came out to vote for those sorts of things tended to skew more conservative so it was not necessarily reflective of the uh, the overall populace um, and so where does Jason Kenney factor in all of this? He was a student activist. He got up to a number of, uh, of, of shenanigans, um, but in terms of this fight, he bragged about it uh, much later when he entered politics back in Canada. Um, he was, you know, Jason Kenney is famously uh, social conservative, um, very religious, uh, and has long railed against same-sex marriage and really defended some fairly odious positions when it comes to um, same-sex partnerships and queer communities. Um, there's a whole other thing about, um, and then my phone rings. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's, that's bad form for a journalist. I should know better. Well, that's actually a pretty good reminder. I should turn off my uh, sound. <laughs> Whoops. Right, I think I was about to go on a tangent, so I'll stop. I'll stop there. Um, did I answer your question, or where do you want me to start again? 
Okay, so uh, so Jason Kenny, uh, yeah, he's like against queer relationships and queer marriage, probably to this day still is. And uh, so, how was he a part of that in the eighties in San Francisco? So, exactly what he was doing, we don't know, mm-hmm. um, but he. Um, he bragged about it much later uh, in his in his political career uh, back in Canada. Once he got into politics, um, he was giving a speech. I believe it was to uh, what was then the Canadian Alliance, uh, a group of Canadian Alliance supporters, um, and he bragged about uh, as a student activist in San Francisco how he um, took on this campaign and contributed to it and was ultimately successful. And uh, he, there, there was a video that came out much later. I think actually only came out just before the provincial election in 2019. Um, and you can see that he, he chuckles, uh, he, like he smiles to himself when, he, uh, when he's telling this story. So I, that, that was in 2006, I believe. He was, he was 32 um, when this came out. Uh, suddenly he had to defend it and he basically peddled out the old line of, uh, oh, I regret those things I said. I, my views have changed. Um, and he notably brought up the fact that um, those views, or at least um, an opposition to same-sex marriage, um, was a fairly widespread and mainstream political view at the time, uh, all, all kinds of, you know, um, ostensibly center-left politicians uh, that you can name held the same view. Um, that, that doesn't really uh, explain why he was bragging about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, there's some important context for what was going on at the time in San Francisco in the late 80s, which was, of course, the, the AIDS crisis. Um, which uh, just absolutely tore through San Francisco and was killing thousands of people. Um, it was it was just brutally hit, and so many of um, many of the victims of AIDS, many of the, the people who died from AIDS, they would not be able to have their partners come and visit them as they were dying in the hospital because that that was a right that was only afforded to. Uh, family or heterosexual partners, and so the uh, you know it's not like uh, this was unknown to uh, a young Jason Kenny at the time or other people on the religious right at the time. Um, they they knew exactly what they were doing. They probably didn't like to think of it in terms of the fact that they were denying these people a chance to be with their dying partners uh, on their deathbeds, but that's absolutely uh, what they were doing. Yeah. And um, how do you feel about Jason Kenney now um, comparing the stigma around unvaccinated people in Canada and Alberta to persons with the with HIV in the 80s and 90s? I mean, it's it's obviously reprehensible. Um, It's 
th there's been this, obviously a significant backlash to those comments um, in Alberta and elsewhere. Um, what is interesting is like the, the context, uh, which is well known by now of what he was doing in San Francisco in the 80s um, during the AIDS crisis, to make this comparison now, uh, it just seems like obviously it's it's horrible and offensive and disgusting. But like as as a politician, like it just seems beyond unbelievable that he would he would think that that <laughs> did he not make that connection in his own head that people would remind him of this? Uh, uh, you know it. It, it speaks to, I think, the fact that Jason Kenney and his government, which is really an extension of him and his personality, um, don't see um, certain segments of the population as, uh, as experiencing the same kind of humanity as others. Mm -hmm. um, that certainly seems to be the case, or at least that's the only logical conclusion you can come to from any number of their policies, whether it's um, uh, safe usage sites uh, to fight addiction, whether it's you know cutting uh, healthcare costs during a pandemic, um, any, any number of things. But the uh, attack on, on queer communities, the LGBTQ community, is something that is a long-standing function of the right. It's a long-standing cause of Jason Kenney. He famously said, uh, when back when he was just an MP from Calgary, um, I think it was in 2005, uh, he said that uh, gays can marry, just not each other, uh, which uh, is just gross on so many levels. Um, but it, 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 it's what, what it says now to bring it up and to bring up the uh, um, what it says now to compare people who are choosing to be unvaccinated or to not um, adhere to public health restrictions during a pandemic to compare those people to those who were uh, living and dying in the AIDS crisis in the 1980s they're not even remotely comparable. Um, one, like one, one of those groups is making a choice, um, but there's, it's not a choice to be a queer person in the 1980s, uh, you know, suffering all kinds of um, oppressive and discriminatory uh, treatment at the hands of uh, your fellow citizens and of your government. And um, it, it, it's particularly, it, it seems like there's just a, a really gross connection there between the fact that this is a vaccine. You know, it, it's a vaccine that's designed and is, is successful in, in saving lives and, and fighting this terrible disease that is killing people. To compare that with people who were dying of a disease in the 1980s for which there was no and still is no vaccine available. I mean, that just, it goes beyond uh, any other, it, it goes beyond ordinary political crassness. Um, yeah. 
not that's to a long mention, answer yeah <laughs> not to mention that uh at several points during this pandemic uh Jason Kenney has awarded uh, people choosing not to get their vaccine with his idea to pay them $100 to get their vaccine and whatnot, and then comparing that to a terrible, awful disease that uh, the government just said to have everyone figure themselves out. Yeah, it, like it's uh, especially... Especially in in recent days, in recent weeks, with the uh, with the convoy protests, um, Kenny has really aligned himself even more strongly um, than before with that section of his base. Um, there's a lot of uh, UCP voters who are not happy with the way that Kenny has handled the pandemic, not because he's been you know very lax and careless and way too eager to roll back restrictions, but because he's been too tough, uh, he's gone too far uh, from their point of view. And he, he, he is making a political calculation that he needs those people in order to hang on to his leadership, which is currently, you know, embattled. Um, and so he's making this gesture, he's making several gestures towards um, sympathizing with the, the people in the convoys and the people opposed to vaccine mandates and and public health orders and science um and this seems like it's part of that calculation um i think because those beliefs are um like most most canadians and most albertans support um vaccination support vaccine mandates support public health uh restrictions these are uh, uh, it's a, it's a minority of views. It's a minority of people. And so he's pandering in, in a very real way to extremists. And by doing that, he's opening himself up to backlash from the general populace who, who not only doesn't agree with those views, but uh, is opposed very strongly to those views, is offended by those views. Mm -hmm. And I think this um comparison uh is one is a good example of that he was he seems to be a he seems to have been trying to align himself with their cause uh and chose a, a really really poor comparison to do that um it doesn't mean that he doesn't believe it um he has uh, apologized and um you know walked those comments back but he also he's also you know walked back to a certain extent his comments and actions that he made as a student um most notably he uh he was pressed before the uh, provincial election um to apologize um for any of these things and and you know didn't say no but you know did not apologize mm -hmm. um and so i don't think it's really surprising that he's um saying things like this and how how do you feel that there are still people being elected 
into positions like this, like Jason Kenny, like Andrew Shear, who have held extremely uh, against, uh, how do I word this, who are people who once held such awful opinions in politics that they're still around to make decisions because I don't know the full story, but I do believe that Andrew Shear was like Jason Kenney against gay marriage in uh, like 20 years ago and still hasn't apologized for it. So how does it how does it make you feel that there are still people like that in office? I think people need to take it seriously. The, there's a pretty large segment of Canadians of Albertans um, that hold these views. There's, it's not an accident that you know our democracy is flawed in in many many ways. But uh, you can't say that when Jason Kenney is articulating these views, even though he's facing widespread backlash, you can't say that he's not articulating the views of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, these people are out there. Um, quite famously, um, before the uh, UCP was created out of the Wild Rose and the uh, Progressive Conservative parties. The Wild Rose um, had what were what were uh, termed bozo eruptions uh, from you know uh, candidates who were very deep social conservatives, and uh, you know the lake of fire comments became infamous that uh, um, I forget exactly what it was, but something about in biblical terms that uh, homosexuals were going to uh, burn in a lake of fire in the afterlife or, or something like that. Um, these were you know, views that were articulated by a wild rose candidate. Um, that was cited at the time as, uh, you know, this is why the wild rose um, could never win power. That they can never be in power because these views are alienating. You know, Albertans are stereotyped as very conservative, but like, um, it's not, uh, it's not that it's not Ralph Klein's Alberta anymore. Like, uh, the, the the province has changed, and and you can't get elected with these views. Well, there's some truth to that, in that you know Jason Kenney um, has tried pretty hard and tried very hard in the lead up to the election to be somewhat of a moderating influence on those views in his party, the ones that that were seen as, you know, electorally risky, electorally problematic, and to keep a, a lid on the so-called bozo eruptions. Um, and also, you know, uh, views on climate change. Uh, he, he has said that, uh, you know, he, he believes in human cause, human cause climate change. A number of UCP members do not. Um, and he said that it's a, it's a broad tent and, you know, all views, all views in this party are welcome. He's not gonna discipline people on that. So, you know, it's, it's not surprising that he's not, it's not surprising that he's open to, uh, um, all kinds of views that are ostensibly, you know, odious to large numbers of, of Canadians and Albertans. But I think it's, it, people make a mistake by assuming that we are a very um, tolerant, accepting, progressive society. I mean, this is, this is the, the great myth of, 
of Canada, um, and it goes well beyond just um, homophobia and transphobia. It it goes to um, deep seated racism, the the um, the white supremacist nature of the founding of Canada as a colonial state. I mean, these are these are things that have never been grappled with, and they have never gone away. Um, but certain segments of the population uh, have done a very good job of convincing themselves that um, these things either never existed, they were never the case, or that, you know, they're in the past and we're, we're very different now. Mistakes were made is, the, uh, is the, uh, the best way to describe it. Just put something behind you and, and pretend it, it's not a part of your life or legacy anymore. But there's, there's plenty of people uh, in, in Alberta and in Canada um, who don't experience that, uh, that myth of, of tolerance. Do you think... Jason Kenney's going to get pulled from his position as premier. I think it's something like four in 10 people think that he's not fit to be a uh, fit to be premier. I don't know. That's a hard thing. That's a hard one to predict. There's uh, again, it, it's a, there's a tension in the UCP, you know, the, the U stands for United, but uh, they were never really United. There's long been to, very separate conservative factions in Alberta. You have like the red Tory tradition in the, in the PCs. Uh, and then you have like the, the social conservative, religious conservative. Um, and and th those two are pretty irreconcilable. And, you know, whenever it's been tried to bring them together, it doesn't really work. And so you have people who are in the party who are upset with Kenny um, but for di very different reasons. And so the question is, you might get uh, enough people to agree that, that they want to get rid of Kenny, but then who replaces him? Mm -hmm. It's a brand new party, which he created. Mm -hmm. There's no heir apparent. Right. And it's the same struggle in a way that the, um, excuse me, it's the same struggle in a way that the federal conservatives are having over, do you tack to the right to appease the base or do you tack to the center to you know, appear more moderate and reasonable, and and uh, attract a different section of the of the population. Mm -hmm. No party gets elected only on their base. No. Um, it, 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 it's not sufficient to do that. Kenny has been pandering to his base, um, particularly on the pandemic, um, because it's become such a divisive issue, and he was worried about his political survival, whether or not that's going to help him um, remains to be seen. Um, but even if they get rid of Kenny, I don't know who they would replace him with that would be able to resurrect the UCP's fortunes because the UCP are deeply unpopular um, in Alberta for a lot of different reasons and replacing Jason Kenney isn't necessarily going to fix that. I should, I should also probably mention this. There was um, another relevant um, part of Jason Kenney's San Francisco history. He, he volunteered at a, a hospice called the gift of love hospice that was operated by uh, mother Teresa's charity organization. And the facility um, 
cared for homeless men who were suffering from HIV AIDS. And he also bragged about this um, and said that uh, it transformed him that, uh, you know, um, watching these, um, these women care for these, these men, uh, the compassion that was involved. And uh, he, my favorite line from this is, uh, he said, quote, there is no government program and nothing in the market that can be a substitute for that love and what I witnessed and what changed me, end quote. That uh, organization uh, was not, uh, when, I, when I was doing my research on the story, I could find very few people who had ever heard of this thing. Um, and it turns out that that was because, as one person told me, uh, they were aligned with the church. They were not aligned with the LGBTQ community. So they were accused of uh, um, under-medicating the patients, of talking patients out of uh, taking their pain medication. They were accused of um, very strongly evangelizing, of, of pushing religion onto these uh, vulnerable people. Um, but in any case, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of indicative of Jason Kenney and other conservative politicians trying to have their cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. He wants to brag about um, you know, keeping uh, same-sex partners apart uh, uh, during the AIDS crisis, but he also wants to brag about you know, caring for homeless men who were dying of HIV AIDS. And that's, uh, that's sort of pandering to the base at the same time as he's trying to pander to a broader uh, cross-section of voters. And I think it's gonna catch up to you uh, at some point. And I think that's, that's what we saw this past week with those comments. Yeah. He's gotta stop running his mouth, you know? When you're a politician, you can't afford to just say random stuff like that. You know, you have to be <laughs> careful, man. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I wrote a piece, I think it was last year about, um, you know, critically looking at the idea that's been often bandied about throughout Jason Kenney's political career, that he's a, a brilliant tactician and a brilliant strategist. And uh, he, he's just very, very good at politics. He's not, he's really not like he's, he's, he's good at talking. He's, you know, he's in debate uh, in university and he knows how to insert himself into opportunistic situations. I think mm -hmm. he, uh, he's, he's parlayed one thing into another uh, to become the premier of Alberta. And now he's, you know, facing the very real prospect of losing an election for the first time in his life. Mm -hmm. um, it's also notable that he's never been anything other than a politician. He spent his entire adult life in politics. Wow. Uh, Taylor, uh, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I did not realize I could despise Jason Kenny more than I already did. Um, this has been really illuminating. Well, I'm, I'm very happy to help. Thanks very much for having me on. It was a pleasure.
I'm going to try and do this last part in record speed. Watch this. And that is all the time we have for today. Gay War is a production of CJSR 88.45 FM in so-called Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory and region for the Métis Nation. We acknowledge all the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit who footsteps have marked these lands for centuries, including but not limited to the Cree, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Nakota Sioux. We recognize that colonialism is an ongoing and active violence and encourage you to reflect on your own relationship to colonialism and what accountability and growth look like for you and your communities. Get what you can and learn even more. Thank you to our guest, Taylor Lambert. Today's show was produced by Shane Janales, Jeff Victor Greer, Ashlyn and Terrence Adams, and myself, Artemis Peasley. Follow Gaywar on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. You can find us online at gaywar.transistor.fm and on Facebook and Twitter at Gaywar or at Gaywar CJSR on Instagram and TikTok. Let us know what you think of the show. Hit up the DM sometime, or if you'd rather be fancy, you can also email gaywar at cjsr.com. And you never know, you might just get to be a part of the show. Our work is done by Travis Harrison, original music by Doug Horry and Catherine Hiltz. And make sure not to change the station after this airing of your favorite and only queer radio show in Alberta, because we have our music segment right after this. Until next week, keep it breezy, and... Please stay on the line.